0: Well, good morning to everybody. Thank you uh, to our ushers for, uh, for serving us today and taking our tithes and offerings. It's, a, it's an incredible morning to be with you. Happy to see all of you today. A couple of things I just want to start here at the beginning. In a few weeks, in the middle of, of uh, September, we're going to be taking our alabaster offering. Now, our alabaster offering is just supposed to be kind of like your loose change, things that you just kind of have sitting around already empty your pockets. And, uh, that money goes towards building buildings around the world for missions, uh, hospitals and clinics and, uh, things like that. So if you would like, uh, if you familiar with the alabaster offering, a lot of times we have those little blue, bo- little blue boxes and there are a bunch of them out in the foyer. If you want to grab that on your way out today, There's a giant alabaster box. If you think you can fill that whole thing up with change, you're more than welcome to take it, too. It's only about three feet wide. Uh, So that's going to be in a few weeks. I also want to tell you about next week's sermon series. It's going to be a lot of fun as we go back. We're just going to look at four different miracles of Jesus. Uh, Next week, we're going to look at Jesus's uh, power over nature. We're going to follow that with miracles about provision, miracles about healing. We're going to have an opportunity for you to come forward and our pastors are going to be here uh, to anoint you and to pray for your healing one of those weeks. And then we're going to finally uh, end that series about Jesus's miracle of deliverance. And so we don't want you to miss this series. It's going to be a lot of fun. We fully expect the Holy Spirit to show up for that as well. Speaking about the the Holy Spirit, I'm still in awe of what happened here just a a couple weeks ago. We had an incredible celebration together um, as we baptized 12 people, as we took in six brand new members, and the Holy Spirit just really showed up that day, amen? It was an incredible, incredible uh, celebration. This church has been on a journey now for 95 years. We are 95 years old this year. Um, <clears throat> someone should probably start uh, planning the 100th year party that we get to have at 2027. Uh, I'm not kidding. Somebody should probably start that. <laughs> um, But we've come a long way in our 95 years. We started with five people that were filled with the Holy Spirit after a tent revival meeting. And they decided that we are going to start a church in 1927. And the Lord has taken this church through many years where we didn't even know if we would have enough to pay the light bills or, or th- those kind of things. And he's also taken us into years of excess and where we just had more than enough. But no matter what we have faced, the Lord has directed our church, PFN, on this journey. From the very beginning, our focus has been the same as our denomination, the Church of the Nazarene and that's to see everyone become a Christ-like disciple of Jesus Christ. Today, PFN, we provide an open door for people to come to know Jesus and to value others and to find our purpose within that kingdom. We create environments where people consistently experience God and are equipped and empowered to reach their full potential through God. And Jesus has left our church to become not just PFN, but now we are the PFN network. Amen? We have four campuses, including this one here that's 95 years old. But Jesus is also doing amazing work on the south side of Peoria in our very own SCC campus. We have a presence in the old Sunnyland Church of the Nazarene, which is now the Summit Church of the Nazarene. And Pastor Greta is doing a great job ministering to the community of East Peoria and to Washington over there. And a couple of weeks ago, we saw just how important our fourth campus is, the online campus campus those that are watching us right now those people that are tuning in from their home or maybe while they're in their car or just because of the power of the internet it may be two or three years from today they're watching this message so i want to thank our online community for for joining us here today and online people you may not get the chance to uh, shake our hands or to hug us or But I want you to know that you are just as much part of this church as anybody that is seated here today. And so we are so thankful that you would choose to join us. But the online community, I just want to highlight that is so important to us. Because last week, at least one of our, or two weeks ago, at least one of our new members is here because of her online experience. We baptized uh, one of our teenagers because he and his family watched every week online. So our church doesn't look the same as it did in 1927, but the mission has never changed. Our mission always is that sinners should be saved and the saved should be sanctified. And that's what we are all about in the church of the Nazarene. And we would be mistaken if we didn't acknowledge the Holy Spirit's part in, all, in everything that we have done. We have not done any of this on our own strength, but we've done this with the help of the Holy Spirit. As we journey with Christ from our very, very beginning in 1927 until 2022, Jesus has walked with us every single step. Jesus has directed those who come to our doors, how the lost just seem to find their way in here, where they can come to know Jesus. Jesus has equipped the saints. He has equipped you uh, so that we can be sent out into our community, where we get to use the transformed, our transformed life to start transforming others. But Jesus doesn't just direct us corporately. Uh, He directs us as individuals. All of us here are individual parts of the body of Christ. All of us get to go on this journey with Jesus. Some people have been well on their way. They've been on this journey with Jesus for a very long time, and some are just starting. But whether we've been walking with Jesus for many, many years or whether this is our, our first week, we are all equal parts of the family of God. This particular journey in this sermon series, uh, we started about seven weeks ago, this journey of grace and, and looking at the different kinds of grace that, that Jesus gives us. And we started with come and see, follow me. You will be, and then go and do. And the journey seemed, or the journey started the same for all of us that follow Jesus. Jesus gave us an invitation, just come and see, come and see what this is all about. Yet Jesus loves us too much to, to let us stop with just curiosity about who he is. He wants us to follow him and by following him, we become transformed into his likeness. And then he commissions us to go out into the world and to serve others in his kingdom, in his name. And we talked about the grace that goes before us. Remember that, the the seeking grace, the prevenient grace of Jesus that woos us towards Jesus and helps us to come toward him. We talked about the saving grace of God that holistically changes us right from the very beginning. We talked about the sanctifying grace of God that empowers us to live a faithful life to him. Even when our best efforts and even when our best intentions seemingly fail us, we still have that sanctifying grace that allows us to live a life for Christ. And last week we talked about that sustaining grace, that, that nurturing grace of Jesus. And I kind of think of this as that grace that kind of sticks with you. It's kind of like you went to Jack's and had biscuits and gravy or something like that, right? It's kind of that stick to your ribs type of grace. That's what we're talking about. It's the grace that keeps you moving forward every single day upon the path that he sets out for you. It's the grace that helps us to realize that this journey with him is, is rarely a sprint, but sometimes it's a really long marathon. And we celebrate it along the way. A couple of weeks ago, we had that celebration Sunday in the life of the church, and we should celebrate. There is so much to celebrate about because grace gives us a lot to celebrate. Amen? But God's grace, remember, one of our definitions is God's unmerited favor towards us. His grace allows us to accomplish anything. His grace changes everything. The Apostle Paul wrote this in his letter to the Philippians. He said, you are God's children and no one can talk against you even in a sin-loving and sin-sick world. How are we to act, Paul? He says, you are to shine as lights among the sinful people of this world. He's talking to all of the PFN network this morning. You are to shine as lights in a sinful world. And if you think that that can happen without God's grace, which enables you to be different than everybody else, then you're mistaken. You cannot do it on your own. Paul also reminds us in Romans that you and I as followers of Christ are more than conquerors. Paul has a lot to say about God's grace. He talks about it, he writes about it a lot. He says that his unmerited favor on those that follow and obey his son Paul Paul writes that often, often how grace enables us to overcome anything set against us, to rise above the temptation of sin, and it transforms us into a new creation. And Paul says in the 12th chapter of Romans, therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies... As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. A living sacrifice. Uh, it's kind of an oxymoron. I don't know about you, but uh, there aren't too many uh, things that I have seen sacrificed that still yet get to live. Except us. Except us. We are living sacrifices you and I as followers of Christ have been covered by the grace of Jesus which mean that the old has been cast away and the new has come and we are being set aside to do many great things for his kingdom and God has made all who have called upon his name new So if you're a follower of Christ, you are not the person that you used to be. You are covered in grace. And that enables you to do the work of God. Until it doesn't. Grace makes everything new except when it doesn't take everything away. I know what you're thinking. I thought we were celebrating here, Pastor. How come you just did a 180 about God's grace? Are we limiting God's grace now? No. We need to celebrate God's grace in our lives for sure. Who doesn't want God's favor? All of us want that, right? But if we're not careful... We can transform the grace of, of God into a form of this spiritual invincibility, or turn our suffering that you and I go through in our life uh, into something that's trivial. Or worse, we start to assume that just because we're covered in grace, just because we have that unmerited favor of God over us, then when we encounter suffering, then all we have to do is pray and it disappears. Until it doesn't. I've spoken to Christians all my life, especially now that I've been a pastor. People who have come and said, I have prayed for years Rachel mentioned that uh, just a little while ago. I prayed for years for an answer and it just seems like God is silent. So what happens when we know that we're covered by God's grace but yet we're still suffering? What happens when we expect things to change because we serve a great big God who can do anything but it doesn't? what gives God? I don't have to remind you that life is hard, right? And oftentimes life leaves a mark on us. I remember a few years ago, the uh, team at KidZone, the KidZone staff, we uh, went to a pottery studio together. And this is a pottery studio where you get to create your own vessel out of this lump of clay. And I don't mean just painting a nice design on something like that. I mean, it was a whole experience, the lump of clay and the spinning wheel and the whole deal. It was, it was a lot of fun, but what looks like it should be pretty easy to make something out of that lump of clay is actually really hard. If you squeeze that lump of clay too much as it's spinning on that wheel, you can mold it into a whole lot of different shapes, but oftentimes, when we touch that clay, it just wound it up in some weird mess, or it'd fly off the wheel altogether. As long as you don't push too hard, because if you do, the clay collapses. And so there was a master potter that was there with us. It was his job to to help us along. And so he would come up and put his hands on ours and gently transform this lump of clay into something beautiful and something useful. It was kind of like this weird version of the movie Ghost where Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze, except I realized that all of a sudden I'm Demi Moore, yee yeah, what's going on here god so it was like the the master's hands though were god's and mine were just mine and both of us left a mark on that clay we both formed it into a shape it's just that my hands were often way too unforgiving where well, the master could form this beautiful vase or jar something useful, I just created a mess in this useless lump of clay. The apostle Paul talks about us being jars of clay and we have been expertly molded by our creator for the design to hold the glory of God. Yet our jars of clay are often fragile Our jars of clay often have cracks in them. Why is it that our master creator would beautifully create us, but then leave us fragile and vulnerable and cracked? Why wouldn't the creator just make his creation invincible? Why would we crack? Why would we leak doesn't God's grace just automatically take away everything that we struggle with? You know the answer to that question already. I don't need to tell you. No, it doesn't. Those covered by the grace of God still struggle. You face struggles every single day. The Apostle Paul also talks about thorns. Paul had a Miraculous meeting with God one day where he encountered the presence of God, where he saw the, the risen Christ. And Paul knew that after this experience, he was never going to be the same. This experience literally changed his life. And Paul said, It's enough that I could brag about this. Like, you'll never believe what happened to me. But not Paul. And Paul isn't going to boast about this experience. And so, this is in your handout. You can also find this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at middle of verse 5. I'm going to read this here. You can follow along with me. Paul says, I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from... So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. And then he goes on, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, we don't know much about this thorn that Paul uh, was talking about, but we do know that Paul had to deal with this for a lot of his life. Was this a physical thing, like a sore back or a cough that didn't seem to want to go away? Was this emotional Was this a fear? Was this a mental struggle that Paul was dealing with? Was it spiritual? We don't don't know anything about it really, yet it is clear that this was so bothersome to Paul that he described this thorn in his life as a messenger from Satan himself. See, Paul was making us aware that he was in deep water here and that he had carried this burden that seemingly was crushing him and he could feel himself succumbing under its weight. This was not any small thing in Paul's eyes. This was a big deal for him. This was his suffering. And yet he prayed for healing and the Lord answers his prayer, not in the way that he wanted and not in the way that he expected. No, Paul, You're gonna keep this thorn with you, but I want you to know this. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. He's saying, Paul, you are stronger in your weakest moments when I am with you than in your strongest moments without me. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so here the Apostle Paul had begged God to remove this thorn and the answer was no. Three times he prayed, no, Paul, at least not yet. And Paul could have said, why? Why aren't you removing this from me, God? I am your child. I am covered by your grace. I am a favored child of yours. I have favored status within your kingdom. Why won't you take this from me? Maybe he was saying, God, I could do so much more for you if you would just take this thorn from my side. God, why aren't you listening? So what happens when that thorn in your life doesn't go away? What happens when the mental health crisis persists? What happens when the person that you have been praying for still dies? What happens if you lose your job? What happens then? What happens then is grace doesn't become this fix it thing for every issue. Instead, grace is found, grace is discovered in that fragile, cracked jar and persistent thorn. And God says, I see the thorn, but my grace is enough for you. My strength is made perfect through your weakness. So in this series, we talked about God seeking grace, his saving grace, his sanctifying grace, his sustaining grace. But today, may we be content to have the sufficient grace of the God, of our Lord. And some of you know exactly what sufficient grace is. Some of us just don't. Some of you have lived a life where you've managed pretty much on your own strength. It was the strength that God gave you. Yes, but, but for others in this room, or maybe those that are online, you know exactly what sufficient grace is when there's no more strength left, when there's no more energy, when the fight inside of you seems like it has died and all you have left is just enough grace to keep your head above water. Some of you know my friend, uh, Jim Book, he's our district administrator. He and his wife lost one of their children when Jake was three years old. Jim once told me that he never thought that he would have enough strength to endure the death of his child. and He was right. He didn't. He wasn't ever designed to carry such a weight. There was no strength in Jim that would allow him and his wife Ellen to endure such a tragedy in their life. But there was a sufficient amount of grace. There was just enough grace from from Jesus to see them through even that. See, I believe God's sufficient grace is all you need for today. It's a daily gift from you from God. Every single day, he's going to give you just enough sufficient grace In the Old Testament, the Israelites had been wandering around through the desert, through the wilderness in this barren land where there was no food and water. And they were hungry. And they cried out to God for him to provide. And God did. From a substance called manna that rained down from the heavens every single morning. And all the Israelites needed to do was to gather up enough of that food for the day. Tomorrow more manna would fall from heaven. They didn't have to strive for it. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to pay for it. They didn't have to earn it. All they had to do was collect it. And that's the same with God's sufficient grace. It's enough for you today. And tomorrow he'll supply all you need tomorrow. You see, the grace of God, if if you're taking notes here, we're finally getting to some of those fill-ins here, it doesn't remove the memories of what happened to you. Grace doesn't remove the memories. Wouldn't it be great if we could forgive and forget? Wouldn't that be wonderful if we could do that? Wouldn't it be great just to forget the damage that we have caused or forget the damage that was done to us? But grace doesn't do that. Grace doesn't remove the memories. It also doesn't exempt you from damage. Your jar of clay is still fragile. Your jar of clay is still cracked. Life has still left its mark on you. Some of us are carrying around baggage with long straps, dragging it around wherever we go because often there's this lingering residue of past experiences that keep raising its head. So grace doesn't exempt us from the lasting impact of pain. It never exempts us from the damage that's caused. It also doesn't extract the sorrow from your life. The thorn might still be there. And grace is not some scalpel that cuts into the soul, cuts to the core of your soul, thus removing all of the grief and removing all of the sorrow in your life. It doesn't do that. Claiming the grace of God doesn't mean that you're going to casually move on from the soul-wrenching pain that you have gone through. Grace doesn't extract the sorrow. And it doesn't resolve our fragility. The sanctifying grace of God that sets us apart works perfectly well in a cracked jar of clay. Saving grace doesn't change us into a superhero that is invincible. We are still fragile like dust. We are still human. We are still vulnerable. Grace doesn't resolve our fragility it does reframe our story grace doesn't remove the memories it moves you through them so that you can reframe reframe your story with them grace helps us to see our experiences in the light of god's favor and see our experiences through his love Grace helps us to no longer be defined by the wrongs and those things that we have committed or even the things that have been committed against us. But grace enables us to remember but to retell our story differently because we see God in the story. It does work in the cracks, We're not exempt from damage, but the damage does not have to be debilitating to us. God's light still shines through the cracks in your jars of clay. It is often, though, out of your pain that your passion is going to flow. See, God's grace cultivates within us an an empathy and a patience and a humility that enables us to walk through the damage and the pain. It enables us to bear the wounds of life and it helps us to help others dealing with the same thing. Yet we get to boast that God gets to shine through and he gets to work in our weaknesses. It does deepen your intimacy with Jesus. As you realize that he even in that time of pain in your life, that he was the one that is walking with you side by side, that he never left your side, that he's providing exactly what you needed for that day. See, grace invites us to embrace Jesus who understands everything you're going through. Grace doesn't hurry you towards healing but it journeys with you as we get to learn that we are dependent on God and grace will always reveal its source. Once you think about this, God has chosen to partner with fragile humanity as he reveals himself through us to the world. Our humanness, our fragility is not a hindrance to God at all. Yet, as Paul described, God's strength is made perfect through our weaknesses. How did you ever get through what you went through? It was Jesus. Everything that you'd ever gone through in your life somehow points to Jesus was with you. Grace always reveals its source and it's always going to point towards Jesus. And what we need to learn today is grace is sufficient. The night that Jesus was going to be crucified, he knelt in a, in a garden and he prayed and he said to his father, Father, if you are willing, will you take this cup of suffering away from me? Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And you know the answer to that prayer. Jesus still died on that cross. But what happened after Jesus prayed made all the difference. And it's a perfect picture of God's sustaining grace. Luke 21, 42, or 43 and 42 and 43. Jesus has just said, if it's your will, God, take this cup of suffering from me. And the very next verse says, and an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. My grace is sufficient for you, son. Later on, right before Jesus breathed his last, he said these words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. For Jesus and for, for us, those words mean that we trust God enough to know that whatever we go through in this life, that our life is being used for something that's bigger than ourselves. And it's more beautiful than what we would ever accomplish by our own strength. And so as we close, would you stand with me today? Would you place your hands just out like this today? In your hands this morning, you hold all of your struggles, all of those unanswered questions, all of the sorrow. For some of you, your hand, your, in your hands is all of the grief all of the pain. And as your pastor, I would like nothing more than to pray for whatever you have in your hands to just suddenly disappear so you don't have to deal with it. I can't do that today. What I will ask you to do is take all that you're holding in your hands, all that is burdening you, and tell God into your hands, I commit all of this. So imagine yourself turning over and putting all of that, as you grab his hands in front of you. If it helps you to close your eyes, close your eyes. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. I commit all of these things to you. Imagine that Jesus is there in front of you and his hands are stretched out. And in his hands is enough grace for today. Father, we thank you that we don't have to manufacture grace on our own. We don't have to manufacture or come up with some sort of strength our own to get through today. We don't even have to look past today and think how in the world are we gonna deal with this or that? For, Lord, your grace is sufficient. It's enough for us today. It's all we need. Lord, sometimes we think that because we are, live in that favored status of yours, that because we are covered by your grace, that we will no longer deal with all these things in our life. That's not what grace does. Father, help us see that your grace is what moves us through it. It doesn't get rid of it, but it helps us to be dependent upon you. And thank you, Lord, that we have all that we need from you today. And when we wake up tomorrow, we'll have all we need for that day. For you never go away. You never give up on your children. You are always walking side by side with us. And because of your presence and because of your grace, we can get through anything. We thank you, Jesus, that you love your children enough that when our lives get really tough, then it it's then that we feel you the most. We know Lord that your grace carries us through. So Lord we commit all of these pains, all of the suffering, all of the the things that we are dealing with, the burdens in our life, and we place them into your hands. Not so you get rid of them, but so that we can realize that we are dependent upon your grace for today. Lord Jesus, thank you for all those that are gathered here in this room and thank you for all of my friends that are watching online. I pray, Lord, that as evident as you are in this sanctuary today, that you are in the car or the living room or wherever somebody may be watching online. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace, your sufficient grace for today. And it's in your wonderful and powerful name that we pray. And all of us say together, amen. Thank you. Have an incredible weekend. Rest of it, you are dismissed.